from Catanning to Sealands Grove, Uniontown to Williamsport, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, conservatives from across Penn's Woods gathered last week for the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. For a look into how they view the issues, Scott Davis from the Pennsylvania Leadership Council joins us with results of the conference straw poll. Girls on the Run is a fun program designed to inspire girls to build their confidence, kindness, and decision-making skills. Joe Geiger has Jillian Byerly from Girls on the Run in the Community Benefit Spotlight. And the Coalition to Reduce Violent Crime is taking aim at the increasing violence in urban areas. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has this week's Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to Scott Davis in just a couple of minutes, but first we have news headlines from patownhall.com. Pennsylvania's largest coal-fired power plant has fallen victim to environmental extremism and will close in July, throwing more than 100 union workers out of their jobs. The Homer City Power Plant is located outside of Pittsburgh near Indiana, Pennsylvania. The Center Square quotes State Senate Majority Leader Joe Pittman, who represents the Homer City area, as saying the impact extends far beyond local communities. Pittman stated, quote, This is troubling news. It is a realization that we as a nation are at risk of losing the reliability of our power grid, end quote. Indeed, the U.S. is on track to lose half of its coal capacity by 2026, despite the fact the industry has invested heavily in its capacity to minimize environmental impacts. As concern over the rise in school shootings grows, State Senator Mike Regan, a Republican who represents parts of Cumberland and York counties, is proposing legislation that would place at least one armed officer in all publicly funded schools. Regan previously served as a U.S. Marshal, and his proposed legislation would require armed security personnel to undergo background investigations and to maintain all required certifications. In announcing his legislation, Regan stated, quote, The time has come for us to recognize that this is a must in today's world, end quote. The Center Square reports the latest U.S. Census data shows counties encompassing Philadelphia and Pittsburgh were among the top 10 nationwide to lose population over the past year. Philadelphia County ranked sixth in population loss, shedding 22,000 residents, while Allegheny County was 10th, having lost just over 12,000 residents. The data represents an ongoing trend of Pennsylvania residents departing for other states. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. The straw poll at the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference gives us a glimpse into the views of grassroots conservatives on the key issues confronting our state and nation. Here to discuss results of this year's straw poll is poll creator Scott Davis. Scott, welcome back to Lincoln Radio Journal. Scott, taking a look at the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference straw poll, tell us first of all a little bit about the straw poll. Who participates in it? How is it done? The Pennsylvania straw poll is in its, what, 11th year, 12th year now, and it started at the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. It is designed for the attendees of the conference, and only registered attendees can take the straw poll. Uh, We use a verification process. It's evolved over the years, but we have a list of all the attendees, and we check them off one by one to make sure they don't get that second vote. 
taking a look at this year's straw poll and keeping in mind that the attendees of the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference are a wide range of grassroots activists from all over the Commonwealth. What were the major takeaways that you saw from this year's straw poll? I think there's four takeaways that most of the conversations have been about. One, the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference is growing its footprint. 43 of the counties across Pennsylvania had representation at the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference this year. But more importantly, across the nation, 10 states this year represented that took the straw poll, and I believe there were a couple more that were registered and attended. But looking at that compared to earlier years pre-COVID where we were averaging three or four states. So we're definitely growing the footprint, not just across the Commonwealth, but across the country. You did break this into some state-based issue questions and some national ones. So let's talk about, it is the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about Pennsylvania. One of the questions, and we ask this quite frequently, would you say that Pennsylvania's legislators are headed in the right direction or the wrong direction? Now, this year, the state Senate is under Republican majority Mm -hmm. control. The state House is under Democrat majority control. So tell us what they thought about the state Senate. Yeah, with the state Senate... 35% said we're going in the wrong direction with the state Senate, and 43% agreed that we were going in the right direction. Okay, so overall, a plus for the Senate, but Mm -hmm. big difference when it comes to the Democrat-controlled state house. Yeah, with the Democrat-controlled state house, the same question, are we headed in the right or wrong direction? Only 11% of the attendees that took the poll believed we were going in the right direction, with a 68% belief that we're going in the wrong direction. There's always an issue, too, Scott, as to whether or not Republicans in the state legislature, and we're going to talk about Congress also in a few minutes, whether or not Republicans in the state legislature are really standing firm behind conservative principles. So looking at the state House and the state Senate, what were the thoughts of the participants? I think it was down the road in the middle. When I look at it, we don't break it down as just a yes, no, like we did on the others. Is it wrong direction, right direction? We actually broke it down in a yes, a maybe, somewhat no, and absolutely not. And I would say looking at the Senate, holding on to the conservative ideals was at 44%. For the House, it was at 38%. So I would say it's really kind of down the road in the middle. There was a number 28% on the House side saying yes, only 15% in the Senate saying yes, that they're holding true to those conservative ideas. But I'd say we're still kind of in the middle. And of course, issues are what the poll is all about. And it's also Mm -hmm. what the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference is all about. So the question, what is the most important issue facing the Pennsylvania General Assembly, the state legislature this year? What issue most concerned the attendees to the conference? When we're looking at just the most important issue facing Pennsylvania General Assembly this year, election integrity overwhelmingly at 42%. And election integrity and education school choice were really the top two throughout the entire questions where we were talking issue-based. So a lot of people wrote in school choice education as options, not just at the state level, but also at the federal level. Any concern about the state budget? Uh, Budget had a 26%. Gun laws were at 5%. School choice, 6%. And there was a number of others that were in that sub-5%. So following up a bit on election integrity, and it's interesting that here we are three years after the 2020 election, and election integrity Mm -hmm. continues to be the dominant issue. And in fact, there was a workshop on election integrity that that was part of the conference this year. But do you find that attendees of the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference trust our elections? 
Looking over, I would say we're roughly 56% of the attendees do not trust the Pennsylvania election security. That's, you know, more than half. And I think in a lot of the conversations that we have as people are taking the stroll poll going through those questions, I, I would say it's probably even higher than that. This year at the conference and among the electorate at large, school board elections are big this Mm -hmm. year. They're being held in districts all across Pennsylvania. There's a lot of discussion about transparency with curriculum, et cetera. So let's start out when it comes to school districts sharing information about what they are teaching our children. Do the attendees think that school districts are sharing the right amount of information? You know, as a father of three, and I can test right to it, but 88% saying not enough. Only 9% said the right amount, with 2% actually stating more than enough information is being shared. We are talking with Scott Davis, who is the author of the straw poll at the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. We're talking about the results, which, by the way, can be found at paleadershipconference.org. Again, talking about public schools, do the attendees think there's been a bill before the legislature that would require curriculum to be posted online? Support for that? Overwhelmingly, 82%. The Commonwealth Court recently had a ruling that said that Pennsylvania's funding system, funding formula for schools was unconstitutional because it spends unequal amounts of money in in various districts. So what do the attendees think should be done about that? Well, I like this question, and we don't ask many questions on what do you think should be done or what should be the outcome? You know, most of the questions in a straw poll are, do you like the direction? Do you not like it? Do you like this or not like it? So here we went through and we gave five options, and the overwhelmingly was provide funding for more education alternatives with school choice. That came in at 50%. 24% was demand reforms and reduce the money spent. 12% was spending the same amount, but demand reforms and efficiencies being implemented. 8% was spend the same, but change the formula. And 4% actually sided with spend significantly more money for education. Speaking of the courts, there have been discussions in recent years about changing the way we select justices of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. They're currently elected Mm -hmm. statewide. The options would also be to elect them by district or to have them appointed by merit selection. So what think the attendees of the leadership conference? I think this one caught a lot of people off guard going through the education type questions and the top issues. But we were kind of split in the middle where 46% said continue to be elected statewide, 40% being the elected by district similar to the legislature, and 13% came in with that appointed via the merit system. Talking about local governments in Pennsylvania, we did have some questions on the survey about immigration, illegal immigration. Scott, you asked whether or not folks thought that local governments should be able to declare themselves a sanctuary city or sanctuary municipality. What did they think about that? Yeah, I would say overwhelmingly no. 41% came in with an absolutely not. 37% came in with a no. Only 9% came in yes. Uh, I also think it's important to just note that we didn't identify immigration sanctuary or gun law sanctuary or anything like that. It was really along the lines of should local governments, uh, local PA governments be empowered to declare themselves a sanctuary or otherwise encourage or fail to prosecute illegal acts as defined across the state or federal laws. Talking now about security and whether or not people feel safe in their community, do folks think that they're as safe now as they were five years ago? 
No, overwhelmingly, I don't believe we did. It was 64% feel that the neighborhoods are less safe today than they were five years ago. That's actually realistic. And you see that with the decline in the law enforcement support. And law enforcement is there to protect us and make us feel safe and know that when we need help, that they're going to be there. But there's been so much over the last five years of really even discouraging people from wanting to do it because of that. Looking now at issues facing the federal government, what are the top issues the conferees thought are facing the nation? Yeah, the top three issues facing the nation, uh, 26% economy and inflation, government spending at 18%, and illegal immigration border control at 17% were the top three. Approval, job approval ratings. We talked about approval of the State House and State Senate. You also asked a question on approval of the job being done by the United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate. Again, a big div- <laughs> a big divergence of opinion here. Yeah, on the question of do you approve or disapprove the job, Republicans are doing in the U.S. House, 60 percent approval rating. In the U.S. Senate, a 32 percent approval rating. And this is an issue that does seem to be dividing conservatives and Republicans, Scott, regarding the Russian invasion of Ukraine and whether or not that poses a national security risk to the United States. Do people think it poses a security risk to us? We were at 34 percent believe that it does pose a significant national security risk to us. We had 17% on the the absolute not was 7%. 26% said no, 10% on the maybe. This is going to be a big policy question that Congress and the president is going to have to face going forward. And that is, do you think U.S. financial and military support of Ukraine should... This being a fiscal conservative conference, definitely looking at accountability for U.S. dollars was at 54 percent. Continue supporting Ukraine, but make sure that we're accountable for every dollar that's spent. Remember, that's the taxpayers' dollars. Forty percent of the attendees want to see the end of support of Ukraine. And taking a look at the border crisis, what is the most significant impact that our attendees saw relative to that? 56% of the attendees said the flow of drugs across the border was their most serious component regarding the border crisis. And this question, I thought, Scott, to end our conversation was really a very stunning one. Will your children grow up to be worse off, about the same, or better than you? I'm going to go back to 2022 results first, where 42% of the attendees felt we were going to be worse off. Looking this year, it was 67%. That's a pretty big increase. And it definitely shines. As a, Again, as a father of three, we all want our kids to be better off. Every day, it's looking worse and worse. And quite a jump in that number in just one year. Mm, yes. We again have been talking with Scott Davis from the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference about the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference's annual straw poll. You can find the results at paleadershipconference.org. Scott, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Girls on the Run provides dynamic lessons that instill valuable life skills through fun programs that build confidence and decision-making skills. Jillian Byerly is executive director of Girls on the Run, and Joe Geiger has her in this week's Community Benefits Spotlight. Thank you, Loman, and thank you, Jillian, for being a guest on the Lincoln Radio program. Thanks so much for having me. Girls on the Run is a program that I had not heard a lot about until recently, and which translates maybe some of our listeners have not either. So could you share with us a little bit about how the Girls on the Run got started, what was the inspiration, and what mm-hmm. you do? 
Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of a misconception or a misnomer in our name, um, Girls on the Run, because while we do use running, there is so much more to the program than that. Girls on the Run is a program, an after-school program, which really is providing support, connections, mentorship, and uh, introducing and practicing some really key skills to girls in third through eighth grade, um, skills that are designed to help them navigate life with confidence and with joy and to help them make intentional decisions. So there's a lot that goes into the program, and and it's certainly running and physical health is an important part of it, but it is only one part of it. So the name Girls on the Run uh, actually had a correlation to an activity of running in in addition to the things that you just mentioned, uh, a little background on how the organization came up with the name. Actually, Girls on the Run is a national organization. We have um, chapters or councils in all 50 states. And it was started in Charlotte, North Carolina, by a woman called Molly Barker. She was a teacher, a social worker, and a triathlete. And it was through working through some, some of those childhood issues, those issues that sort of bleed into the young adulthood, some um, issues with mental health and, and just self-image and confidence, that she really um, devised this program for girls. And, and it really started on a very grassroots level, her writing the curriculum at her mom's dining room table, and then 13 brave girls who showed up as the first team who participated, and, and we have evolved and grown over um, the years, over about 26 years, to now um, have about 200,000 girls participating across the country, which is pretty incredible to think of. That's pretty impressive. How many girls are in your program, your specific program, Geographic? So Girls on the Run Mid-State, um, we have about 2,500 girls participate each year across 17 counties. Girls on the Run, you're teaching them critical life skills, resolving mm-hmm. conflict, helping others make intentional decisions. That That is so important to me, my background in teaching leadership and business ethics. Making intentional decisions is so important that you are not passive in how you live your life. Increasing the physical activity is also a good thing these days with the amount of cell phones that are out there and... The conversations are through texts and instant message and Spotify, and I'm probably showing my age. All those things add up to very important end products. Tell me a little bit, if you would, how you were inspired to take the the position to lead this organization. Growing up, I was fairly typical. I was a girl who struggled to fit in, to find her people, I think girls these days, and even you know when I was growing up, faced a lot of pressures. Pressure to be successful, to be smart, to be popular, to make the team, to you know be in the musical, to do all of these different things, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, and you know that's really tough on girls. And it certainly um, it was something that resonates with me. This is Joe Geiger on the Lincoln Radio Program, and my guest today is Jillian Byerly, the executive director on a program that called Girls on the Run Capital Area. Jillian, I think over the years of research and involvement that I've had in the nonprofit sector, the one common denominator of all nonprofits is that they improve the quality of life in the community. And certainly with all the competition for identity for young girls at this point in time in, in our country, Your organization is so important. 
to, to ha- help them find out themselves who they are. It is really important. It's an important part of their social health. Navigating friendships at this age is really difficult. So having a really strong sense of self um, becomes really important. Realizing that they don't have to fit in, that it's okay to stand out, and providing them with that space and, a men- and mentors who um, validate who they are and let them be their silly selves, their goofy selves, their nerdy selves, their smart selves, whatever that self is. A big challenge to be able to pull all this together. I'm sure that it comes naturally to you and the staff and, and the, the people who lead and manage the program. But at the end of the day, how do you know you're making a difference? We have a small team of staff, five, five staff, but we manage about 500 volunteers each year. And it is through those volunteers and it is through the families who write to us and reach out to us to share about the impact that the program has had on their girls. We had a mom whose daughter has club feet. She has a chromosome disorder. She has autism. Doctors have told her that she would never walk, let alone run. But we found a place for Jossie, the girl's name, in our program. She thrived. And three weeks into the program, her mom witnessed her um, run, break into a run for the first time in her life. So we are removing restrictive um, limitations on girls and allowing them to break out of the girl box and to really thrive. So hearing from people who have participated as volunteers, um, who have had girls go through the program, that's incredibly meaningful for us. It keeps us focused. It keeps us inspired. And it also sort of reminds us we are making a difference. Jillian, if somebody out there is listening and they want to contribute to your program or they want to volunteer, share your website where they can find you. If anyone who's interested, go to gotrmidstatepa.org. They will find all the information um, to reach out and contact us directly. So that's G-O-T-R, an acronym for Girls on the Run. This is Joe Geiger in the Lincoln Radio Program. My guest today is Jillian Byerly, the Executive Director for Girls on the Run Capital Area. Jillian, thank you for being a guest on the program. Great talking with you. Thank you. Back to you, Loman. Increasing violent crime in Philadelphia and other urban areas has resulted in a new coalition whose goal it is to reverse that trend. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has details on this Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. This year's Pennsylvania Leadership Conference was the biggest yet, with over 900 participants and over five dozen media outlets covering the event. As a sponsor, we could not be more thrilled at the growth and influence of this program. Americans for Prosperity hosted our advisory board member and Fox News host, Guy Benson, for a main stage discussion on what center-right media faces in the marketplace of ideas to the State of the Union and what's happening in Washington. Guy talked about what we've all endured over the past few years, a global pandemic, massive unemployment caused by business closures, rapid inflation, but also increasing violent crime. The continued newsreel out of Philadelphia has overwhelmed our media with story after story about the rise of violent crime. 
This led to our invitation for Jerron Smith, President Trump's highest and longest-ranking African-American advisor, to participate in a main stage panel discussion at PLC. Jerron was instrumental in passing the criminal justice reform bill, the First Step Act, that freed thousands of reformed individuals, reuniting them with their families and communities. Jerron served Congressman Scalise and Jim Jordan, along with Senator Tim Scott and Vice President Mike Pence throughout his time on the Hill. Most recently, he launched a public safety coalition to reduce violent crime. The principles of this initiative work to counter the defund the police movement and offer proven solutions to the current failing criminal justice system. As a partner of the Coalition to Reduce Violent Crime, AFP wanted to emphasize why our General Assembly and cities across PA need to prioritize criminal justice. The Coalition to Reduce Violent Crime is advocating for four basic and common sense principles. One, we must properly fund law enforcement. Two, our laws must refocus police on preventing and solving serious crimes. Three, cities should adopt evidence-based policies that reduce violent crime. And four, states should continue to adopt smart-on-crime policies. Ensuring that law enforcement succeeds, collaboration in cities and states driving smart-on-crime policies that reduce incarceration, and recidivism-reducing programming is the key recipe for the limited public safety resources we have being focused on those individuals who pose the highest risk. In PA, we're working on legislation that would address probation reform at a comprehensive level, restoring incentive-based behavior for those looking to reduce their supervision terms. At a city level, Harrisburg is acting. In May of 2022, the Harrisburg City Council approved plans to begin a group violence intervention initiative. It's a strategy that uses the carrot-and-stick approach, known as focused deterrence. Made famous in the mid-90s by Boston's Operation Ceasefire, it brings law enforcement and the community together to provide a balanced approach to combating violent crime and increasing prosperity within the community. This prevention strategy, combined with the Harrisburg's higher-than-average rate of solving homicides, will ensure the city continues its decades-long crime rate decline. There are opportunities policymakers at the federal, state, and local level can take today to better protect Pennsylvanians and honor the sacrifice of our brave members of law enforcement. Please take just 60 seconds to sign our letter entitled Set Up Pennsylvanians for Success After Supervision by visiting americansforprosperity.org, selecting Take Action, and visiting our Action Center. That letter will go directly to the inboxes of the leaders in Harrisburg that determine what goes on the calendar for a vote, both in committee and before the full floor. I'm Ashley Klingensmith, State Director with Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania. Follow us on Facebook by searching at PAAFP and on Twitter by searching at AFP Pennsylvania. 
If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. For 28 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WCCSAM and WLCYAM in Indiana, along with WFYLAM in Jeffersonville, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, and the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated, Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal, plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.